Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of season 2 of the Peaked Too Early podcast. Despite the changes in the back room at Manchester United, Oscar and I are here together in the same room. Uh, Coming to you live from my parents' basement, uh, I am Blake Munchell. Oscar Saywell, how are you? Hello, I'm well. I'm excited to be back. This is what our third live episode now. Um, last time I was in Blake's parents' basement was for Mari's birthday party a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super happy to be here. This is going to be a bumper pod today. We have so much to talk about. The weekend was amazing. Football, three threes all over the place. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being sacked. New manager bounces. There's so much to get into. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped. I'm excited. And I don't even have to do anything other than talk because I don't have a computer, so I don't have to Google anything throughout this pod. Yes, and you'll have to forgive any delays. We are uh, handing off the microphone because uh, I don't know how to do a two-microphone input into Audacity. Um, I will start us off with uh, a overview of our predictions from last week, uh, episode 11. It was almost perfection from myself. I nearly did the perfect, unpredictable prediction. Um, Unfortunately, I gave Arsenal too much credit. I had them uh, losing 1-4 to to Liverpool. Um, Unfortunately for me, they did not score at all. Um, And on Oscar's side, he correctly predicted that Man City would thrash Everton. Um, So those two plus ones just cancel each other out. We are still tied on the season uh, with Oscar. uh, Or sorry, it is the same differential as it was last week. With Oscar with 10, Blake with 8. Do you have any opinions on that? On what? On on the memeing head? Do you still confident? Predictions are difficult. I was super close right with my... I said, I think, Man City 4, Everton 0. It was 3-0. I also threw in a Rafa will be sacked shout for an extra point. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, we keep going, you know? I think the season stretches out in front of us. There's a lot more predictions to go. I'm not going to get cocky anytime soon. Um, give it a couple months. Well, uh, just as a heads up, this will be a long episode. Uh, because there is so much to talk about, and uh, it's a disservice to pretty much every match this week not to talk about it. Um, So let's jump into our predict, our uh, sorry, our recaps. Uh, Ollie, okay, we will start. I'm, I'm, yeah. I suppose we should start with uh, Watford for Manchester United one. Um, I watched this match. In parts. Mm-hmm. Did you watch this in I full? Did. Oh my goodness. I watched this match. Um, here's my question to you. Are we talking about Oli getting sacked first or are we recapping the match first and then talking about Oli getting sacked? I think we have to talk about the match okay. because of his face on the sideline. Okay. Alright. I will start us off then and here's how it's going to work. It's going to be delayed but every time you want to talk you're going to have to signal to me. Oh, with that, with a raised hand. Wonderful. Okay. 
Um, this match ended 4-1 to Watford at home at the Vicarage Road. Initially, I put down, and I don't know if you agree with this, pure route on my notes. Scratched it out, however, after reviewing the highlights because I don't think it was a pure route, and I'll get into that in a second. Um, Watford were blatantly superior to Manchester United. Man U were clueless, that's, that's for sure, um, for large stretches of the game. Um, it started, the calamity started pretty much immediately. Josh King's taken down in the area six minutes after, um, after the start of the match in a sort of like a, a Sunday League-esque clearance from Bruno Fernandes where he like tries to, he tries to clear it and then shanks it high into the air and it goes backwards. So it becomes a bit of a hospital pass. So, you know, he's raised his hand. Okay, we're going to get this down. Uh, this is reminiscent. I don't know if you remember this for SOC. Oh my god! Where I went to clear a ball, and I scuffed it so badly that I basically shot oh, on yeah. Caitlin. Yeah. And it went, you know, like two inches to the right of the post. Yeah. Um, I've not seen a shank that badly that bad. since myself. Since yeah. And I get paid much less per week than the Bruno Fernandez. Um. But yeah, also love to see it. Just <laughs> chef's kiss. Yeah, it did start wonderfully for any non-Man United fan. Um, Saar takes the penalty, misses. Uh, then Kiko Feminia scores the rebound. But the pen has to be taken again for Feminia's encroachment while Saar is taking the penalty, which, by the way, was a terrible penalty. So then Saar steps up again puts it in the exact same place, which is not even attempting to put it, like, far right. It's just basically out of here. So he misses again. It's, it's dreadful. Um, but Watford shake off that early sort of, like, sadness that they missed two penalties. Um, there's this combination of, I think, this, like, ferocity from Watford and this cluelessness from Manchester United. Um... Sissoko and Cleverly are... Yes, Sissoko and Cleverly yeah. uh, dominate the midfield for Man United. I think it's because they're actually sort of running and harrying the ball, um, which is something that in these latter days for Solskjaer, this Manchester United team was for some reason incapable of. Um, Josh King opens the, the scoring. He tucks in um, He tucks in a, a nice, little, nice little shot after... Manchester United players sort of like stand like statues in the area. Um, the ball just like takes ages to come down. No Man U player attacks it. Uh, Josh King is unmarked in the 18-yard box and puts it away. Um, then, and this is the reason why I started to say I don't think it's a pure out. Foster keeps Watford in it for the next five to ten minutes. So he makes a string of good saves, one particularly from Marcus Rashford um, that he tips, I think, onto the bar. Um, but, I mean, it's all for nothing, Manchester United, this period of pressure, because then Saar lashes in a goal from, from across the 18-yard box in, I think, the 43rd minute, right before halftime, um, making up for his, for his misses. It was all Femenia's determination down the, the right-hand flank. He beats a couple of players... Um, and, and puts it across for, for Saar um, to make it happen. 
And then they go in halftime, booze ringing from the away end from the Manchester United um, fans. The second half begins, and who else would pop up but Donny van der Beek, who's come on at halftime and promptly, I think in the 49-minute, scores um, a header um, that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has put across the face of the goal for him. Um, and then soon after that, the momentum changes for the next 15 minutes, I think, or maybe even the next 20. So you have Ronaldo diving for a pen. I don't know if you caught that. Um, I can't remember who catches him, but it's a Watford defender racing back and pushes him gently in the back. And Ronaldo flops on the ground. Absolutely never a penalty. He's looking for it. But after that, it seems to buoy the Manchester United players a little bit. And um, prior to the red card for Harry Maguire, they um, look like they're going to equalise. Um, Foster is keeping the minute again with, with a string of really good saves. And then Harry Maguire goes and um, has a terrible touch deep in his own half. A Watford player is racing onto it. And so um, it's that classic, like, your second touch is a, t- is a sliding challenge. Uh, and he does that kind of like crab pincer sliding challenge. Catches whoever the Watford player is. Tom Cleverley. Tom Cleverley is, wow, bursting from the midfield. Tom Cleverley, Blake Watson. Yeah. I will. It's just a very comical moment. Uh just you know, bringing down a player like Tom Cleverly when he's one-on-one with the keeper. Uh, just because it's Tom Cleverly and he's, you know... He was great. In he was phenomenal. But he's kind of has a reputation of being sort of a lazy player. He's, and it's yeah. like, you, one, Tom Cleverly and Sissoko, who are both players who have the tag of being lazy players... Um, you know, they bossed the midfield, uh, which is a reoccurring theme for Manchester United this season. Um, but two, uh, it's sort of one of those things, like this type of challenge, because it happens in such a flash, uh, that it's happened a ton of times where a very established center back brings down a very slow midfielder who yeah. probably wasn't going to get to the ball on the other side or do much <coughs> with it. Reminiscent of Vincent Company hacking down Sean Longstaff yes, on his yeah. like return from his ACL injury, um, but uh, yeah, wonderful. Tom Cleverly, I might have to rate him now. So yeah, I don't know where this performance came from, Tom Cleverly. I guess because he's he's playing Man U and so he wants to prove a point, kind of like Josh King, who um, I think has now five goals against Man U in his career. Five after, and six. Yeah, after after leaving them. Um, anyway, wrap up. I think that sort of happened in the 65th-ish minute, and then it went off the boil somewhat for the rest of the match until stoppage time, when Manu were dealt a double hammer blow with Joao, Pedro, and Dennis scoring emphatic goals from the exact same angle, which was acute on the right-hand side, De Gea, just under De Gea, both of them. Um, Dennis does like a nice little striptease celebration where he takes off his shirt and then his training bra for the you know the running stats which is it's pretty good um and so then it, yeah it ends with 4-1 Ole Gunnar Solskjaer looking I don't know pathetic that's harsh but kind of true and um and and then sort of trudging off the pitch for what would be 48 hours later his last you know his last match um 
that's a recap of the of the game itself. Can we talk about Oli, his legacy, and what we think about possibly him and what the next step is for Menu? Absolutely. Okay. Should I get my thoughts? Yeah, first? you go first. Right. Okay, and Blake's going to see how often I look at my notes during uh, podcasting because he can see me now. But I want to start off by saying, and this is not a controversial statement, Manchester United are embarrassing. Um, what other club in the entire world doesn't have any plan for managerial replacements over the past, what, three or four years now? So they sack Mourinho and have no plan. So they get in, are they going to social? And then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who is meant to be very temporary, does pulls off these amazing results, pu- puts together a, a massive string of games, w- injects Manchester United with some old school, you know, like, this is Man U, remember Sir Alex Ferguson, die for your shirt kind of stuff, which works. Absolutely, it works. And so then he's handed the permanent job. Okay, fine. You can't blame Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in my opinion, for taking the interim job. You can't blame him for taking the permanent job, and you can't blame him for taking the extension. He's a man new legend. There's no way he's ever going to turn that stuff down, right? That's not his fault. If, if Blake was asked right randomly right now by Newcastle, they were like, Blake, be our, be our manager. Blake would know he was massively underqualified for it. He'd still take it, because it's it's, it's the club that you love, and of course you're going to take that job. It's the exact same scenario for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He must know he's... I mean, he has a big ego, so fine. But he must know he's underqualified for it. He is underqualified for it. But of course he's always going to take it, because, because he loves the club. And, it, and it's obvious that he's a true fan. I think it's obvious that he always wanted the best for the club, unlike, say, like a Steve Bruce, who just doesn't give a shit about, for example, Newcastle, right? And, and this is the other thing. Nobody expected Oli to have the third highest win percentage of any Man U manager in the post-war era. Nobody expected him to beat the likes of Pep Guardiola or get back-to-back third-place finishes, right? Oli did his best. It wasn't good enough, apart from like one or two stretches that were, were seemingly paced, um, based purely on vibes. Like that was his managerial style, just like vibes. Um... So you're just sort of left thinking, like, was he a success? What constitutes success? What What is Manchester United's direction? And what's going to happen to them now? And it's just like they are shambles. They're run by businessmen who aren't good at business. And so it's just like, what is the point of this club right now? And... This is the, the curious thing, right? It's like Mourinho got them second and won them trophies. And three or four years later, they're at the same point without the trophies and I guess with a little bit less sounds. And that's not progression. And it's embarrassing. Um, fully agree. Don't blame him for taking the job at all. Not even for a split second. Uh, there's, it's also not like it was his first job. So it's even more ridiculous to blame him for taking the job. Um, because I'm sure in his mind, he already saw himself, um, he was, you know, a, a league winner with Mulda, um, a cup winner thrice over. 
Um, he was a successful youth manager for them for like eight years. Um, you know, I'm sure he, when he went into the job, thought that he was the right man. And there was a while where we talked about maybe, maybe he was, maybe yeah. he was the right man. Uh, it's just when it was going well, it was going well, but when it was going poorly, which was like 70%, 65% of the time, uh, it was going horrendously. Um, and it feels like it always, there was always these cycles where he would build it up and you'd be like, okay, well, Ole, Ole might be the man for the job. And then it would crash down um, and they'd go on a horrible run and something calamitous would happen, and it'd be infighting, and all this stuff, and then you're like, oh, man, Ole out, you know, he has to leave, and then some, you know, fixtures would go his way, and he'd build back up that confidence, and you say, maybe Ole can do it. Uh, nothing archives that roller coaster more than our podcast, where yeah. we've talked exactly. about, is he the man, is he not the man, he's awful, he's, yeah, maybe he's the man. Um, but, uh, yeah, don't blame it all, at all. And, uh, honestly, I don't think his legacy is too ruined no, by not. this. Um, I think the reaction from Manchester United fans has been somewhat sympathetic it's and sadness. nice. It's, yeah, it's more heartbroken that the it came to this, and this is the state that the club and a club legend has to be uh, resigned to, but you know, I think in the future, I mean, they'll still have a healthy relationship with Ole, and they'll think about the good times. Um, but I also, are we talking about future of Ole? A future Next of steps? Ole? That's or interesting. Like, I haven't, but I, I want to share a shout I have for what I think Man you should do right now. Next. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm scared of where he's going to go with that. But we will start uh, next step for Ole. Um, I don't even know. I will say, first, he coached the worst Cardiff side. Do Cardiff have the lowest points record? No, that's Derby. That's Derby? Okay. Well, still, a very depressing Cardiff City. Um, with a very pathetic Premier League attempt. Um, and now he has this Manchester United record with uh, some bright spots, but mostly pockmarks. And I think his coaching career is going to kind of have to be rebuilt. I think he's going to have to go outside of England or to the championship and take, uh, you know, a, a, a Bristol City job or, you know, a kind of a club that has potential and needs a ambitious manager, but willing to take the risk on such a divisive manager. Um, but I don't think he's going to coach in the Premier League anytime soon. He should coach Norway. Because... They're disappointing. Yeah, they're disappointing. I, th- I, th- I actually think he would be really well suited to international football. Because he is beloved by the players, or most of them, right? Respected. He, mm, we still, even after like three years, have no idea if he's competent tactically or not. 
I reckon you could make a strong argument that he outthought Guardiola a couple of times. Like, but yeah, I'm, I'm not 100. I'm not 100 sure about that. But yeah, I think you know, you know, Holland, Odegaard, that that Norway team is exciting and they're underperforming a lot. So possible. Anyway, here's my shout for what I think Man United should do right now. Okay, so they say that they're gonna. Uh, hire an interim manager till the end of the season, which is, I think, probably the most embarrassing part of that statement that they made, because it's just like, they have no idea what they're doing. Here's what they should do. They should collaborate with PSG, okay? They're going to spring Pochettino out of PSG. The reports are that, I mean, clearly Pochettino is not happy with being at PSG because PSG suck, and Pochettino is all about a project, and PSG does not give him that project, right? You spring Pochettino out of PSG, you pay them however much it takes. You leak to PSG or you convince PSG to hire Zinedine Zidane. Here's why PSG hires Zinedine Zidane. Zidane is maybe the greatest manager ever at managing superstars, at managing egos. He won the three-peat Champions Leagues based off managing the like most egotistical footballers known to, to man, Benzema, Ronaldo, Ramos, right? Pepe, etc. And he got massive results out of them. He can do that same thing with PSG, who currently have Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, like all that stuff. I reckon if you can orchestrate that, that would be a win for both Manchester United and PSG. What do you think? I think it all makes a little bit too much sense. Mm -hmm. I think it's... Uh, oh, it's not going to happen. It's what I would do. It, I don't think it's it It's what I would do. I don't think it can happen. But uh, what I think they should do is heed the word of Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, appoint Steve Bruce now. You know you he won't improve the defense, and he won't improve the attack. But... But he... Players like like him, they like him. players like yeah players like Steve Bruce, um, mostly because he doesn't make you run at practice. So oh god yeah I don't know some that'd be so bad. I don't know who's Bruce. the laziest player at Ronaldo. Uh, there you go. He, well, he's lazy on the pitch, uh, not lazy anywhere else. But uh, I can't think of oh I'm sure oh you know who would love him, uh, uh, Maguire. McGuire. Yeah, because he Steve Bruce managed him at Hall. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, Steve Bruce is uh, a legend at Hall. Uh, they're one of the only clubs that still like him. That's uh, true. In fact, he's considered quite the legend. Um, and Steve Bruce's son is also a Hall legend. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there you go. So that's my shout. And then Zach Bruce. Yeah, sack Bruce at the end of the season. And Pochettino's coming in the summer. Yeah, it's I guess it does have to be Pochettino. Uh, any closing remarks on Manchester United? Um, still not as boring as Manchester City. I'm just so bored by Manchester City. I would be more... I mean, I think this makes United interesting now, right? Because it's like, what... Well, okay, when Carrick's in charge, that's, that's just boring. Because that's just basically all they're going to solve. There's like no difference. But I'm really curious to see who they get in as their interim. And I hope they collapse. Um, because hilarious. Um, 
yeah. Uh, where do you want to go next? I will say Manchester United have Chelsea and Arsenal. That's awesome. Which is That's an amazing, awesome. yeah. What an amazing time to be undergoing new management. Um, I guess, I guess we need to do a little hop step backwards. Mm. Um, I told you that I thought maybe Wolves-West Ham would be the most boring match to talk about, but I realized there is one that was even more boring, um, and it was Chelsea continuing to yeah. kick the walking corpse that is Leicester yeah. City. Um, which, my goodness, what has happened? Uh, they're in, what, 14th? Yeah, then, then, then the table, um, solidly in the table. Let me pull up the Premier League standings. They're currently 12th, yeah. which for the amount of investment in that squad is absolutely a failure. Um, Chelsea played in these awful yellow kits, yes. uh, which will give me nightmares. It's a pretty awful look. I do not like it at all. Um, none of Chelsea's kits are good this year, uh, which I feel like they have the easiest like brand just to blue. build a it's good... Just do, like, you know, a nice blue with a nice, like, white trim, maybe. Anyways, get rid of the three as your sponsor. I don't get it. Um, the goals. Uh, Rudiger would loop in a header from a corner. Um, Lester covering Antonio Rudiger with Castagna, who's, like, five foot seven. Um, so I just, what, how do you succeed in that position? Um, Adam Lookman uh, would look sharp, and he would score, I believe, two offsides goals. Um, and and... Rodgers got booed for taking him off. Yes, um, which the Rodgers to Manchester United pipeline might be warming up. Who knows? Um, I can't imagine... I guess we should kind of talk about the Brendan Rodgers hot seat, because... Yeah. It's kind of a lose-lose, because you either keep him in charge and the bad form continues, or you sack a club legend who has given Leicester everything they have to be excited about and to have celebrated for the last five years now. Oh, sorry. Yes. I realized as soon as I said it, I was like, still... The Brendan Rodgers taking over and invigorating a what is a miracle into a sustainable project. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. And I don't know. Maybe it's just a project coming to the end of a chapter. Um, but I can't imagine them sacking him. Um, then uh, Conte scored from outside the box. Um oh. Johnny Evans, absolute dickhead, did, did <laughs> such a goal though. He did, but Johnny Evans is just standing there, like doesn't even try to close down Conte. Um, and then Pulisic would scrap in a third, um, overjoying all Americans. Um, yeah, Chelsea could have had five or six. Um, boring. Yeah, a really boring match. Just Leicester, not, not giving anything. There's like 
two Adam Lookman attempts and a Jamie Vardy attempt. And... I think I think they've run out of steam. Let's have run out of steam. This this like project is drawing to a close, and I think the fact that they missed out on the top four so narrowly two seasons in a row has scared them. They're missing Wesley Fofana, who's out for a long, long time. And Didi is never fit. Um, they haven't... This year was meant to be the year. This year they didn't sell a superstar. And so it was like a statement of intent. And the pressure's too much. Something is fundamentally wrong with Brendan Rodgers. I don't know what's going on with him. He, he's like... He's had his head turned, or I don't know. It's all... It's all very strange. Like, it just doesn't feel right and it's like they're no longer a club that you're you're like oh they're just kind of crap like it, it's it's not a warm they don't give you a warm feeling anymore so they need to rediscover that um what's next like newcastle brentford oh newcastle brentford that's nah, not a boring match so i'm excited i didn't even bother taking notes on this so please go um i guess we need to start with uh, the before the match, uh, Eddie Howe before his first match in charge tests positive for COVID and has to miss uh, the uh, match and maybe the Arsenal match as well. Yeah. Um, because you know lockdown rules in the UK are double vaxxed um, though. He is vaccinated. Yes, he's very adamant about being vaxxed and having his players vaxxed and everything. Um, he uh, was obviously devastated um, that he would miss this match. But um, the atmosphere was absolutely electric. Um, I believe Newcastle are the only Premier League side who do TIFOs. Um, I've certainly never seen a Premier League side in the 2000s with a TIFO. Um, It's really just Newcastle. Um, So they had a big banner, Eddie Howe's Black and White Army. which is cool. Um, our TIFO uh, group, they're called War Flags. They protested the Steve Bruce years, so we have been without them for two and a half years, but it's really nice that they're back. Um, they are really cool. I've done some absolutely insane TIFOs. Um, so Jason Tindall, um, ex-Sheffield United, ex-Bournemouth. Uh, manager. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's with you guys now? Yeah. So we stole him from Bournemouth. Yeah. Well, he Um, got sacked by Bournemouth. Maybe he got sacked by Bournemouth. Yeah, he did. He got sacked. Um, After how? He looks like a serial killer. But, supposedly, he is, (laughs) like, Eddie Howe is the hard-ass in training and is, like, really pushes players and Jason Tyndall is like the guy you go to nice talk guy. yeah talk about how you're the feeling Steve Bruce. yeah the Steve Bruce yeah. of Newcastle United um so that is kind of you know there were the city was buzzing and then expectations were tempered and then but as soon as the match you know two hours before kickoff um, it was gone crazy again um, yeah there's a, a guy who lives near the stadium. He always posts videos of just the absolute noise wrecking his apartment yeah. um, when Newcastle play. Um, and it was the loudest I've heard in a long time. It was a completely sold out um, stadium again, um, which is, you know, for the first time in two and a half years, we've 
sold out three straight uh, home appearances, which is awesome. Um, Jamal Sells would uh, score for Newcastle very early. Um, however, uh, credit to this goal goes to Joe Linton, who did excellently to win this corner. Um, and Joe Linton doing excellently is a recurring theme of this match. Uh, however, Newcastle, you can tell they're not very used to holding leads. Ivan Tony, uh, the yeah. Geordie, the ex-Magpie, he loved it. Uh, would score in under 60 seconds um, after the Newcastle goal, and it kind of is this very sad situation where Ivan Tony was very mismanaged and mistreated by uh, the old guard at Newcastle, the ownership, um, Sam Allardyce, and uh, Rafa Benitez, um, who, I mean, to be fair, Ivan Tony needed to grow up, improve, and yeah. he needed to improve um, both on and off the pitch. Um, he has since said in interviews, as he has absolutely lit it up at Peterborough uh, and then Brentford, uh, that his dream is to score against Newcastle. So when he did score against Newcastle, he obviously celebrated in the face of the Lisa's end, uh, which, you know, that's a pretty brutal corner of St. James's Park. Um, so obviously they did not take well to it and boot it. So you have Ivan Tony on one side who hates Newcastle yeah, management who's no sad. longer there and uh, you know really doesn't have a reason to hate Newcastle anymore. Um, I, there's resentment but I mean the people are gone and then you have Newcastle fans who have no reason to hate Ivan Tony uh, who you know when a player celebrates like that against his former club you're going to get people who react negatively. You should sign him. Um, I would love Ivan Tony. Uh, he'd be great. Um, he'd probably start over Callum Wilson. Um, so yeah, you know, great job. Um, Ivan Tony, absolute clinical striker. Yeah, he's uh, lethal. If you give him an inch, he'll score. Um, I won't mention Carl Darlow's defending Jesus. or his goalkeeping. On this was mad. This one was mad. I was like, damn. Yeah. Um, Carl <laughs> Darlow, you know, he is the best backup goalkeeper in the league for a reason. Um, right. A, he just, he doesn't do a lot of things. He does one thing very well, and that's reaction saves. And then he doesn't do a lot of stuff very well. Um, so, and it also is a reoccurring theme that every time Martin Dubrovka is healthy and about to return to the first team squad, Carl Darlow will have a few absolute, you know, nightmares yeah. in goal. Um, so I think he's still a pretty young guy. He's like 26. Um, and I think mentally he can get his head turned and get distracted. Um, I'm sure on FIFA manager, or sorry, football manager, he has a concentration rating of like 11 or something. Um, but uh, then, uh, Sergio Canos would swing it across, and Rico Henry, or Rico Henry, uh, would head in an undefended goal, um, and 
this is fully down to the worst Newcastle player on the pitch in this match, uh, Jacob Murphy. Uh, who, that's right, Oscar, I'm back on the hating him train. Um, but honestly, he does, he goes forward so well, but he just cannot get back. Match? He was at wing back. We did play a proper three in the back. Yeah. We did not do that Bruce bullshit. Well, five, five in the back, yeah, plus back. two center midfielders in the back line as well. But anyways, uh, Rico Henry, uh, unchallenged header. Brentford go 2-1 up. Um, Maxi does his thing, destroying the Brentford right back. R- Rorschelu. Um, I don't know that guy, yeah. He, uh, he's a young, he's like 19, Danish wing that back. Danish. Every funny. Brentford player is Danish. <laughs> um, but uh, Maxi uh, absolutely wrecked him all night long. Um, and Maxi put in a shot, it's deflected, it falls to Joe Linton. Joe Linton does great to get it out from under his feet. Um, and puts it where the goalkeeper has no chance. 2-2, two, two, uh, match on again. You love to see it. Joe was excellent. Man of the match performance by far. Um, and uh, you really deserved a goal. And the mood in Newcastle has completely shifted on Joe Linton. Yeah. People are, honestly, they're now, too, they've gone too far. Yeah. They, the expectations are now like, holy crap. Who is this player? Like, you know, we actually have a really good player. And who know? Who knew? Who would have guessed that Steve Bruce isn't good at, you know, guiding players? Um, but uh, yeah, Joe, you know, uh, a new a new chapter in his yeah. Newcastle career. Um, then uh, Callum Wilson uh, would steal the ball away from. Alvaro Fernandez, who I didn't even know had signed for Brentford. I think he's on loan from Villarreal. Um, Wilson would nick the ball from him and shoot on an open goal, and Ivan Tony, immaculate block on the line. Then, uh, in the most Newcastle way ever, Jamal LaSalle's own goal <laughs> to give Brentford the lead back. Uh, Jamal LaSalle's I think he has to be dropped. He was undroppable under Bruce, but I think he's not the defender he once was. He insists on playing as the central center back in a back three, um, but his ball skills are... He's probably the worst ball-playing defender we have. Um, So he gives Newcastle this really difficult issue where if we want to play out from the back, which is how... Eddie Howe wants us to play. It has to go through Jamal LaSalle's, but Jamal LaSalle's can't play out from the back. So as a result, it goes to the left center back, Fab Cher, who is great at being a ball-playing center back. Um, But then you're trying to play out from the back from only the left-hand side, and that's very easy to shut down. Um, So Jamal LaSalle's, he needs to go to right center back, but last time that happened... Uh, he went on a little bit of a protest. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what with Jamal sells. Mm. Um, and then uh, the most convoluted one-two ever. Um, Alan St. Maximin from the left-hand sideline uh, switches play all the way to the right to Frazier, who takes like two touches and swings it all the way back to the left. 
uh, for the greatest one two uh, for ASM to equalize and he celebrated with the crowd which is highly uh, irresponsible but very lovely it's um, kind of like what football's all about um, and then Newcastle should have won it but Joe slipped and I'm not going to say anything else about that <laughs> it hurt my heart and Joe looked devastated um, but it really sucked um, this is the first time in a long time where Newcastle deserved more points than they actually got from the match um, they deserved all three. All three goals for Brentford were awful. Uh, you know, potentially two own goals and one undefended goal. Um, Shelby, Joe Linton, world class. You would not have guessed it was those players. Um, and uh, bad Jacob Murphy and Carl Darlow. Um, but, you know, we have better players on the bench. Um, and... After all that optimism, Newcastle United are now 20th place in the Premier League. Two points adrift off Norwich in 19th. Oscar, what are our chances like? Yeah. Um, I just have a couple of things to say, I guess. First, okay, your chances, I'm not even going to touch that because who knows. It's, and we'll, we'll talk about it in Norwich as well. I know it's late November now, but let's just like cast our minds back to last season. Southampton were top of the table in my this point and then they you know went or like got close to relegation so it still doesn't it still doesn't uh <clears throat> I, I think it still doesn't mean anything let's let's wait a couple months I, I think it could go either way and I suspect that you will improve massively under how anyway um I will say I think if you're going to go down you prefer going down playing 3-3 matches right than dross under Steve Bruce Absolutely. And then the last thing, <clears throat> this is not, I feel mean, but I just, I'm, uh, Carl Darlow is 31. I know, and Blake's looking at me like, what? I know, right? He looks young. And I think it's, he's one of those goalies like Emmy Martinez that just hasn't got much game time. Um, yeah, the slick back hair, you know, he's looking young. But yeah, 31 years old, it's kind of crazy, right? And I, I agree with you. He does play sometimes like a younger goalkeeper where he makes these really bizarre mistakes. Um, but yeah, that's what I have to say on Newcastle. I guess I should have known that because we signed him in 2013, meaning he's been with the club for nine years. Yeah. So we definitely didn't go. sign him as a 17-year-old. Um, so, uh, yeah, he and Jamal LaSalle, we bought them wow. both from Nottingham Forest. Oh, um, interesting. In the same season. Um, and they both are club legends, Carl Darlow, some of his years at Newcastle, he was, you know, when we were in the championship, he yeah. was unbelievable, and most of the time he was playing second fiddle. Um, although Newcastle have always had some of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League. True. Um, we have a really famous long run. All right, we need to uh, talk about more matches than the three we've discussed. Um, let's talk about the mirror match of Newcastle-Brentford. Um, the Burnley-Crystal Palace 3-3. Three, three. Um, this was... I don't even know who scored that I first do. goal. I got this. There you, you go. I actually watched patches of this. Uh, and, yeah, it was a great match. Um, Benteke opened the score with a, um, one of those low backlift shots um, from just inside the 18. It was massively deflected, but there you go. 
um, Christian Benteke over that scoring. It was really poor uh, defending from Burnley, um, who, who were at home up at Turf Moor. Um, they've been involved in a few higher scoring games than usual, I think, um, this season, which I, I reckon is going a bit under the radar. And I think it might be a reflection of their defensive woes this season. Although, to be fair, I haven't looked at the other line numbers, so that's how it could be rubbish. Ben Mee equalizes with a, a great header. Uh, it's a well-worked set piece. Palace uh, defended badly. Um, I suppose Ben Mee is one of those you'd poach from uh, from, from Burnley if you, if you had to. Um, the game, interestingly enough, is extremely open. Zaha and Benteke are working well together up top. They would have gone ahead if it wasn't for Zaha's selfishness, which we see, frankly, a lot of the time. Um, he should have squared a ball to Benteke, but he went for a shot instead on the break. But it was actually Burnley who went 2-1 up, and it was Chris Wood with the slowest he- header I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's like, uh, it was his 50th Premier League goal, um, but it was a header that bobbles in so slowly from six yards out. Um, Koyate, Gurhi, I have in my notes, what are they doing? Nothing. They're just standing there. Sort of try and jump a bit. Um, where's the defending for that? Very bizarre. Uh, I don't I don't really understand how this goal goes in. But there you go. Props to Chris Wood. We like him a lot. And 50 Premier League goals is no mean feat for, especially when you play for Burnley. Um, that man, Benteke, pops up again and by the way this is it's the 35th minute and it's 2-2 um burning crystal palace which is astonishing but benteke pops up again um after a clever run by gallagher opens up um a chance gallagher weaves past three burnley defenders um and, and squares it to benteke it's four and four for him in the premier league um and i think he got one of the international break for belgium as well so returning to that villa form possibly um Benteke, and he's still a very, very effective striker, I think. Uh, he sort of emerged the latter half of last season, found some goal-scoring form again, and he, he hasn't really looked back, and, which is, I, I like to see, I like Christian Benteke, so, you know, a little bit of a resurgence in, in the latter, in the autumn of his career, shall we say. And then Palace, it's not done yet in the first half. Palace take the lead in the, thir- in the 41st minute to cap off the craziness. Um, Gahi smashes it in, um, it's one of those where there's a bunch of defenders on the line after like a botched set piece from a corner and um, he just, you know, shoots from, from 15 yards out and it deflects off a defender's hand on the line or whatever and it goes in. The second half starts with um, an absolute rocket by Corning. It's Bergkamp-esque, I think. It's a volley from an acute angle on the left-hand side from a, from a long cross. What a goal. I mean, truly astonishing goal. And um, and yet and then it sort of goes off the boil a bit, uh, and and, and um, it's three three, three three. Burnley, uh, Crystal Palace, what a match, wonderful. Uh yeah, this match also almost had twice seventh goals. Um, Wilf Zaha with an audacious half volley that hit the bar. Uh, and went over, and I think, uh, I think Nick Pope got a finger on it, and so I think it might have been a, you know, point-saving save. Um, and then at the very end, uh, Madi Vidra 
was played in over the top, did excellently to bring it down. Unfortunately, uh, shot not the best. Um, he basically kicks it into Guaita's leg, um, and Guaita pushes it to the side. But yeah, you know, we were saying this before the season started. Burnley will be a very fun team to watch. They're going to score a lot of goals and, you know, uh, push a lot of teams into a corner, um, and, you know, backs against the walls. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, Burnley, despite some amazing performances this season, they're not doing well. Are doing horrendously, uh, sitting in the relegation zone with uh, Newcastle and Norwich, which are two sides you never want to be clumped in with. Um, I think that is uh, enough. Yeah. Uh, Villa Brighton, um, not much to say. No. Um, Eves Basuma is still playing for Brighton. Terrible. He gets two more weeks and two more matches before he must return to jail, uh, which we are counting down the days here at the Peak to Too Early podcast. Yeah. Um, both sides, pretty even. Uh, limited chances for each side. It was like three shots on target to four shots on target. Um, uh, the Villa goals, um, the Brighton defenders just got pulled all over the place with all the Villa runners, um, and Watkins was able to just run in um, and score a really nice goal. Um, and then uh, to make the scoreline seem a little bit more comfortable than the match actually was, uh I think Watkins put a shot on goal. Um, it bounced back out to Mings, and Mings scored really well. Um, a striker's finish uh, from the big man in the back. Um, Villa win 2-0. Um, yeah, I guess Villa might be good again. Who knows? CVG injecting uh, yeah. the, uh, the energy into that Villa side. Who knows? I... I really, really hoped it wouldn't come to that, but um, probably our shortest recap: Wolves West Ham. I don't know if you want to talk about it. You put your big hand in front of my face. Oh yeah. Um, I don't really want to. It was a very boring match, and uh, I all I want to say is I think it was a boring match because um, because our problem is rotation, and uh, I, there's, there's some sort of stat where it's like I think we changed personnel only five times this season or something insane like something something absolutely crazy like that it's been the same starting 11 bar five times this season or I, I something like that our squad is thin we don't have an elite squad and that's why you know when you lose up Bonner and this kind of stuff is going to start to take its toll and that's that's totally fine um we'll ride the ups and downs this season shout out Wolves because they I, they are like doing it they're sixth, and they are doing incredibly well, and it's going super under the radar. Bruno Large, this is his first time in the, in the Premier League. He's made some big calls, dropping Adama Traore entirely. Uh, he's just a sub now. Um, they're doing great. Like, props to them. And it's really nice to see him in his back. He scored a... Yeah, he scored a fine goal from, from like, the 18-yard box. You know, just kind of standard victory, and, and I'll move on. Um... Can I go to Liverpool? North Southampton. North Southampton. Can we save that for after? Because I don't really care about the match, but I do care about talking about Smith. Okay. 
Liverpool Arsenal, I think, is going to be our last in focus match, and then maybe we'll touch on Tottenham Leeds and maybe a little bit. Um, Liverpool Arsenal. Now this is a wrapped four uh, 0 to Liverpool at Anfield. The first quote unquote proper test, I think, for Arsenal, and they unsurprisingly didn't really live up to it. And I, I don't think it's so much that they were abject. They were bad. I don't think it was so much that they were abject, but it, it, but rather that Liverpool are amazing. Um, yes. Uh, you said this was a rout, mm. which I think is interesting, because Arsenal were better against Liverpool than Manchester United were against Watford, in my opinion. Okay. 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 I like that. I like that. And that's big, everyone, because Blake absolutely despises Arsenal. Um... I, I think I possibly so I don't I think I disagree with that because I think that Manchester United offered a better attacking threat than Arsenal did. So that's why I would say that this was a rout because I could never see Arsenal scoring bar one chance where um, oh my god what's his name and Allison made a fantastic save. But anyway, I'm gonna plow on. Um, the reason Liverpool are great in this match is due to a trio. Oxlade-Chamberlain, Diogo Jota, and Trent Alexander-Arnold are standout in this game. Trent back to his best after an underwhelming season last year. Two assists today. Um, today, sorry. On the ninth. Um, and then for Arsenal, Ramsdale is absolutely astonishing. Um, like... He's been incredible this season, um, and including in this game, despite the scoreline, he made a string of superb saves. Um, I feel vindicated. I'm not going to lie to you. I said Ramsdale will be good, and he has been good. Um, then, so before the scoring is open, there's a row between Klopp and Arteta. Um, I reckon this was manufactured by Jurgen Klopp. So he's beefing with the, with the linesman, or the fourth official, and then says something to Arteta, or, and then Arteta like does that thing where he's like pissed off, and then when he's getting hold, held back, in inverted commas, he gets even angrier. And then Klopp, I think Anfield was pretty flat before this. Klopp uses it, in my opinion, to rile the crowd, and it works, because Mane opens the scoring with a header off a... Um, pinpoint cross by Trent Alexander-Arnold on a set piece. Um, pretty standard. Then Nuno Tavares plays a hospital pass which Jota latches onto and then executes two swift um, dummies and strokes it past Ramsdale. Great goal. Um, Jesus, though, Nuno Tavares. That was that was really bad. That was way worse than Bruno's thing. Um there's another great save or two by Ramsdale in between the second and the third goal, which is scored by Mohamed Salah. Liverpool break from a fantastic header by Diogo Jota. Perfectly cushioned. Mane touches it on. They scamper, the two of them, toward the goal. Mane passes it across the face of the goal, and Salah taps the ball in. Celebrates with Mane. All peachy. Um, and then... For the fourth goal, Trent Alexander-Arnold smashes a, I mean, I know it's a Man City-like low cross across the base of the goal, 
for none other than Takumi Minamino, who I think is only making his second appearance in the Premier League this season. Scores for the, for the fourth. Everyone is delighted for Takumi. Jurgen Klopp shouts him out, uh, and uh, after the match, saying he's been performing really well in training and in, in games, and he wants to give him more time on the pitch, which I hope he does because Minamino's I like Minamino. Uh, 2018 vibes for Liverpool here, in my opinion. Um, Arsenal not really doing much wrong, but still a route because it's 4 0. Liverpool just objectively better. And yeah, another day. Uh, let's rewind all the way. Um, the first comment I have is my interpretation of the Jurgen Klopp versus ah. Mikel Arteta fight. What I believe is said is Jurgen Klopp, like when they come together, what I think Jurgen Klopp says is, what do you want me to do? I'm not the ref. Uh, because it came after a challenge from oh, yeah. some Liverpool player. Mane. Mane on Lacazette? Maybe? I don't know. Somebody. I wasn't paying attention to the players. Um, so I think it's that. I think Arteta chirps at Klopp and says, like, that's a foul. Come on. You know, Jurgen Klopp says, like, you know, what, what I'm, I'm the manager. What am I supposed to do about that? Yeah. Like, it's... You know, the, the uh, fourth official's fault. Um, that's why I think the fourth official was, you know, involved in that yeah. argument. Um, your Ramsdale comments. Um, yeah, he had a lot that's of true. good saves. I enjoyed him yelling, come on, after his, it was either a double or a triple save. Um, yeah, double. Got up, yelled, bring it on, uh, and then proceeded to concede, concede four goals. goals. Yeah. Uh, which is very comical, you know, not really any of them his fault, no. but uh, just, you know, as a clip, very <laughs> funny. Great soundbite. Um, Nuno Tavares, this is what Benfica fans said. He's like 20. They were ecstatic to get that type of money for him. They, I remember seeing a Benfica fan saying they would have sold him for free. To Arsenal. What? He's um, been good. He's been really good. This is he, the first thing he's done wrong. So, this is exactly what all Benfica fans were saying about Tavares, is that he's physically unbelievable, can pull out the most amazing tackles, cross-field sprays, he can shoot, he can do everything. But mentally, at times, he Checks just out. makes the weirdest decisions. It's perfect for Arsenal. Um, yeah. Granite Xhaka. The like, Arsenal Come on, it's the Arsenal players, way. yeah. Um, he should have played, sorry, Arteta should have played Kieran Tierney in this match. I don't understand why he played Tavares ahead of Tierney. If, if, you're, pl if you're playing Liverpool, if you're playing Liverpool, you play your best defensive players, and Tierney is a wonderful player. I don't really How is that a hot Kieran take? Tierney. How do you not rate Kieran Tierney? He's astonishing. I don't like that he's he tucks his... He's just injured perennially. He, I don't like that he tucks his shirt in. Um, I, he should have played Tierney. He should have played him. Yeah. Um, it's the end of a little run of a honeymoon for Arsenal. Um, they're still in fifth. You know, it's... I, they'll be fine. 
We, yeah, we'll fine. see. It's it's how they respond now. I would really prefer if they did not play Newcastle next weekend. Because um, yeah. that's pretty terrifying. Um, anything else you want to say? Uh, okay, what's next? We have uh, Norwich Southampton. Uh, pretty devastating result uh, for a Newcastle fan. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. Stop it. What the fuck is going on? Uh, this match started with Southampton taking the lead and Newcastle fans being delighted because we were currently at, at the time. This was a Saturday match, right? Yeah. Because I think at the time we were 1-0 up and it meant we would have gone to 18th uh, because Che Adams somehow gets the ball out from under his feet uh, and slots it into the far corner. Uh, and this is, like, the definition of a striker's goal, just understanding where he is in the box, understanding where the goal is, and just putting it where the goalkeeper has no chance. Um, and then, uh, Timu Puki, uh, the man who haunts man Newcastle, uh, just... Uh, <laughs> You know, a woeful attempt by Alex McCarthy, um, who I think is having quite a poor season. Um, yeah, he is, isn't he? Uh, I don't get it. I don't think he's very popular amongst Southampton supporters. I think he's um, overrated. But Timu Puki, from an extremely narrow angle, uh, beats him at the near post. Um, it's really ugly. Alex McCarthy gets like, two hands onto it and palms it into the side netting um, of his own goal. Um, this is one, it's one of those things where, like, in a very harsh and cruel world, even a harsher and a crueler world than we currently live in, yeah. uh, that should be put down as an own goal. Yeah. Um, but just the way, you know, stats are kept, if it's on target, it'll go down to the, whoever's shooting. Um, and then, uh, you know, nothing happens a long time and uh, actually it's like a tale of two halves because North City were they're very defensive um, and counterattacking in the first half and yeah. they were not in the second half they were ball dominant um, and thoroughly deserved this win uh, Dean Smith uh, showing some tactical prowess with his ability to adapt at half time um Jordy, Grant Hanley, would score from a header. Um, once again, really bad from Alex McCarthy. I think most goalkeepers in the Premier League make that save. Um, but yeah, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, North City are full of life. Yeah. Two wins on the bounce. Oscar Sewell, your opinions? Um, Gilmore back on the side, plays well. No surprises there. Um, they come from behind, which is good. They look more fluid. They look more solid. It's super early days, but suddenly Norwich no longer look doomed like they were, possibly. Um, to, well, at least to utter failure. Like, people are saying this could be, like, the worst team ever in the Prem. Darby-esque. And it's not going to be like that. And I think that's because Smith will coach them better than at least one or two managers in the Premier League, I would say, right now. 
he will coach them better. Whether that's, that translates into them being able to stay up is an entirely different question. But his, him as a coach, we know it, he's unbelievable because we've seen it with Brentford. We've seen it with Oxford. We've seen it with Villa. But, you know, um, the rest is luck, I would say. Um, that's all I have. Which is, do we just have Tottenham left? Uh, really quickly, oh, the battering yeah. of Everton. Boring. Um, so boring. I hate Man City. few things to say. Cole Palmer started for Manchester City. Big, uh, just, you know, rotation. And he's Guardiola. He does this, you know, every season. Guardiola just finds some but there's this freaking other guy. wonder kid. McAtee? The, the Irish lad? Yeah, apparently he's the, they call him the, sorry, they call him the Salford Silver. Apparently he's a, just a clone of David Silva. He and, was very impressive. And, and he literally came for five minutes and everyone is raving about him. What the hell? Pep Guardiola has this thing where he's like, he can coach young players to just be replicas of like the le- like these legends of the game. So he's done it with Foden. And he's like, like, who are these people? Like, how does he do it? He refuses to let them out on loan because... The experience, literally, the experience of training with him in the first team is better than them getting actual professional football. Like, that's mental. And, yeah, and and also Everton was shit. Like, oh, my God. Rafa should be sacked. Like, I, he should be. My, I should have got my extra point. Um, yeah, no, sorry. But I just wanted to say, like, I completely agree with you. The, those youth player things is, like, mad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very interesting because Cole Palmer uh, plays pretty much all the six front positions. Um, so continuing the Pep Guardiola way of just you know, starting a not striker at striker. Um, I thought he looked very comfortable, very uh, which makes sense for someone who has been with Manchester City since they were seven years old, uh, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah, blah 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 blah. Uh, the uh, we kind of have to talk about Rodri's goal. Um, just stunning. I love the always rising, yeah. just never a chance. Um, and then uh, Bernardo Silva would score in this as well, um, which I think the assist actually ended up going to Cole Palmer. Yeah. Um, and I this is kind of like a rhetorical. Not a rhetorical question, but... What's this? Uh, okay. No, Joao Cancelo had the... No, Joao Cancelo's assist. The assist that Oh, he had well, that's was... ridiculous as oh, well. Oh, my God. Sterling. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I just think we had to mention it. That, you know, very... Joao Cancelo has added that to his game, kind of being this, uh, you know, like a... Kind of like a Lamborghini-type player where... He's very expensive and very unique, but Reliable. didn't totally ever justify his price tags that he's moved because sure. he's moved for like sixty million to Juventus and then fifty million to Man City, um, and I at the time it was like, is he like really worth that? But yeah, now he is. ends up he's a pretty freaking good player. Um, and uh, Bernardo Silva, uh, is this his best season as a Man City player? I think he's started uh, this season off 
like a firecracker. Maybe maybe bar that first title winning season that you had. The thing is, it's very hard to pick a best season for a player who has been phenomenal in his time in England and is also surrounded by players who are the best technical players. I think he's benefiting from Kevin De Bruyne's injuries, sorry. I think he's benefiting from Kevin De Bruyne being out. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is another thing that Pep does. He picks a player each season to just hate. And last season it was Bernardo Silva, this season it's Raheem Sterling. And then the following season they always come really, really good. It's very bizarre. Um, Did you have much more to say about City? I just want to say shout out Canaguero, who looks like he will be retiring from the game. Basically. It's basically confirmed. After that heart condition, I think he's had surgery on his heart, I think. Um, legend. What a legend. Premier League legend. Amazing striker. Uh, better that he retires. You know, I think if this was 10 years ago and he was 23, they would probably find a way around it, but not worth it. Um, and I guess it, I think it'll probably be confirmed soon and we salute you, Ken. Um, good luck. Yeah, um, I actually saw a really cool new um, point, you know, about Kunigero, yeah. where um, you know we'll remember him for everything he did for City, um, and he's like obviously one of the most established, yeah. decorated, strikers. accomplished strikers <laughs> in world football. Um, and then, despite ending his career in tragedy, um, like, you know, being forced to retire at 31 or 33, um, due to a heart condition that was missed on hundreds of heart tests over the years, um, and, uh, you know, it's, like, amazing that they catch this one before anything bad happens, but, uh, he will go down in history as the Barcelona player who his first and only goal for Barcelona came in El Clasico. Yeah. Um, and then had to retire. Yeah. Uh, you know, only 10 matches for Barcelona, um, but it was the game-winning goal in El Clasico. No, no, is, it wasn't. They oh, it wasn't not? Never mind. Yeah. Editor, scratch this bit. <laughs> um, you know, still, uh, a trivia answer for... Uh, Forever, um, you know, Man City basically, uh, you know, built upon the success of that yeah. uh, the ninety fourth minute and twenty seven second goal, um, which is uh, I remember as a kid. What was that? Two thousand eleven. So I would have been thirteen. You know, thirteen, which is like a super formative time in my football watching career. So you know, I'll never forget it. No, me neither. Kunaguera, great player. Um. Unfortunately, um, we got to talk about Spurs leads um, real quick, to, to real finish quick. this. Um, I don't even remember the score. 2-1 Spurs. 2-1 Spurs. Dan James. Oh, oh yeah, I watched yeah. this match, so I saw Conte's reaction, which oh, yes. filled me with sickness. Yeah. Um, Spurs were very bad for most of this match. Um, and then um, Dan James would score. Um, weird player, Dan James. I don't know my opinion on him. Sometimes he seems good, sometimes he seems bad. I like him. Um, then uh, I texted you this. Um, Hyungmin Sun uh, had the potential to equalize, um, decided to throw himself to the floor 
instead of just put his foot through the ball, ref, you know, obviously didn't said, bite. yeah, did not bite it at all. Gilman's son did that thing where he sits and puts his arms up and looks at the ref like, but, uh, I yeah. love him. Yeah, I know you love him, but it's just such a, a frustrating, like, reaction. reaction that... He's not playing well right now. Yep. Um, and then Leeds would proceed to absolutely collapse. Um, Meslier would get caught um, running out of his little box, and Hoybier easily passes it in. Um, and then uh, there was a set piece with... I think Deli Alley might have taken it, um, and it came off the post, and Regulon was the only player who moved. The Leeds players didn't even attempt. They all just turned and watched the ball go past them. Um, Regulon very easily taps it in. Um, and uh, final point, Harry Kane. Not, not great in this match. Um, Again. And that concludes us talking about every single match that happened. And honestly, we're not even that far over time. No. Um, we are an hour and 13 minutes and 13 seconds in, um, which is not horrible. Oscar, how do you want to do predictions? Yeah, I don't know. Should we do predictions? Maybe we should skip predictions. There you go. We will skip predictions. We could maybe, maybe we could put, put them on Twitter. Okay, we will tweet out our predictions if we feel like it at a later moment. Um, If that is not what we're doing, I believe the only thing we have left... Yeah, I got my pen and paper ready. ...are my questions for you. Um, My player, my ex-Wonder Kid, uh, had a very interesting run to success. Um... He started at uh, Velez Sarfield in Buenos Aires. Um, Then he really took a gamble on his career, and he moved to Al-Sad, and it paid off. He was very good for Al-Sad. He would then get a loan move to Birmingham City, where he was unreal. He moved on loan to Lazio where he was unreal on loan. He moved to Lazio permanently in 2009, where he was okay. He wasn't that great. Um, a loan stint at Inter Milan, but it was Inter Milan when they were like really bad. Um, he would then go back what, to yeah, Argentina. What, what, what was that? 2011. No, they were amazing then. Was that they when just they won, won the Champions, Champions League? League? Yeah. It was the year after they won the, the Champions League. The year after, League. they were still good. Um, he then... I uh, saw his career as sort of a failure. Moved back to Argentina. Went back to Velez. That's uh, weird. Before joining West Ham United in 2014. Um, where I remember him as being quite good, but I don't... I think he's considered to be a big what-if in the West Ham hearts. He would have a lone stint at Queen's Park Rangers... He'd then go back to Italy, play for Fiorentina. I think I know who this is. He'd go to Watford. He'd go back to Qatar. He'd go back to Argentina. He'd play three years for Boca Juniors, where he was mediocre, before joining the club he is currently at this year, 
Can you tell me where the motto Karate Zarate is? Okay, so Zarate scored like a sublime goal for West Ham um, back when he played for us. Also, really, was it 2014? That's crazy. Um, he, yeah, he also then got a horrible injury, um, just like he did at Watford. Double um, yeah. Is he in Brazil? I don't know. He is at America Football Club. Oh, well, I got uh, the nation. Also known as America Mineiro. Um, yeah. Uh, Great he was there. The he played for West Ham in 2016, which is yeah. the first Magic season yeah. for West Ham yeah. that I remember. Um, he, uh, I think he's like one of those players where he was incredibly highly rated as a kid and was never able to, injuries. never able to live up to the hype that he got then, but, yeah. but had a phenomenal career. What a career, right? That, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is what we were talking about last week. How cool is that? That you can say at the end of your career, you played in Qatar, you played, okay, that's shit, but you can, you played, you know. Brazil, Argentina, England, Italy. Like, it's awesome. Like he—he he must be old now, right? But thirty-five, you know. Thirty-four. Yeah, but like, what a career. Um, although I do worry for his physical state of being because the those injuries got us a bit. Okay, next question. Um, he's also uh, from a big footballing family. Mm-hmm. Like all of his. Brothers and sisters, yeah. and his both his parents yeah, they played play. professionally. Um, I've got some uh, some questions about statistics for you, which are my favorite questions to ask because I think you can find really interesting yeah. ones. Um, and you look at sti- like literally just like looking through advanced statistics, and you go, "That's weird." Oh yeah. <laughs> um, not even advanced statistics. Uh, my first or second question. How many Premier League teams do not have a penalty scored this season? Damn it. I feel like I'm going to look stupid here. Um, Seven. Excellent guess. Uh, Eight teams... Do not. Do you want to take your guess at the eight teams that have not? I'll just, try. Not scored a not penalty. Scored a penalty. Okay, this is gonna make terrible forecasting. Norwich. No. Okay, I get five guesses. Okay. Okay. Um, Villa. No. Newcastle. Yes. Right. No. Okay, last last one. Um, God, this eight. Wow, so done pretty badly guessing them. Uh, is there anyone in the top eight that hasn't? There is. Tottenham. No. Okay. Um. The eight sides that have not scored a penalty this season are 
Arsenal. Arsenal. Wolves. Okay. Burnley. Yeah. Newcastle. West Ham. We haven't scored a penalty in the league. Watford, Leicester, yeah, or Manchester United. Exactly. That's Man U. Bruno Fernandez famously oh, has yeah. not scored in 14 matches now. Um, wow. Okay. I should go the West Ham one and the Man U one. You're going to love this question. Okay. Uh, how many teams have not conceded a penalty so far this season? I'll give you first. Does that, go, sorry, does that mean scored or haven't given one away? Scored. It's not been scored it against them. hasn't been scored against them? Okay. You said you were going to give me him? No. I was going to say, first guess, over, under, on. Okay, so over what? Give the me the number oh, of not scored. Yeah, eight. Do you think so it's going to be I more or less? Over. Correct. Eleven. Nine. Okay. All right. Good. You Great. Want... Should I try? Yeah. Take as many as you want. West Ham. Yep. Nine you. Yep. Chelsea. No. City. No. Really? Um, Leeds. No. Okay, I'm going to take two more guesses. No. Norwich. No. Damn it. Ended on a low note. Uh, the nine teams that have not conceded a penalty scored is Arsenal, Southampton, West Ham, Liverpool, Everton, Manchester United, Villa, Burnley, and Crystal Palace. Meaning Arsenal, West Ham, Man U, and Burnley are the four sides who have no not scored yeah. or, or conceded a penalty yet this season. Um, Great stats. Who is the only club in the Premier League who has not scored an own goal this season? These are fantastic questions. Manchester City. I believe Ruben Diaz holds that honor for Manchester City. But it is Arsenal who have not conceded own goal this season. Because of Aaron Ramsdale. There you go. It's Aaron Ramsdale magic. Um, fuck, I forgot to write down the answer to my last question. You'll do a quick Google as I'm answering it. Yes. Okay. It is, who is the only side that has scored more goals from outside the box at 53% okay. than inside the box? All right. I'm going to do a think out loud. I would say typically Man U would be a good cut candidate, but Bruno Fernandes hasn't been scoring. So, maybe not. Man City, definitely not. Liverpool, no. Leeds, mm, no, because they just haven't scored enough. Who has players who like to shoot far out? Everton? Okay, I'm going to write this, start writing this down. Everton is a candidate. Let's see, Everton is a candidate. Leicester, possibly a candidate, but lesser than Everton, because... Vardy has been scoring a lot this season. West Ham, I'm going to say definitely not, because we scored too many set pieces. Arsenal, eh, don't know. Tottenham, Tottenham are a shout. I like Spurs. Okay, uh, let me know when you got the answer. Um, Blake has the answer, so I'm going to give myself 
three guesses, okay? Is it Edison? Blake says no. Is it Spuds? God damn it. He says no. I'm going to go for Burnley. Go back to Alcorne, maybe. Maxwell Corne only scores bangers from inside the box. Just oh, crazy right. angles. And, okay. uh, it's Norwich. It's Norwich? I'm pretty sure. And I think it's just because they haven't scored a Can ton of goals. Daddy score goals sure. um, I think it's just this statistical anomaly uh, that more of their goals have come from outside the box than inside the box. Good to know. Um, with that being said, this has been episode 12, episode 12 of season 2 of the Peak Too Early podcast, live from my parents' basement. Uh, maybe we can get Ole on next week. Yeah, he's, he's got unemployed. To do yeah. Steve Bruce. Uh, what West Ham, ex-West Ham manager. Sam Allardyce. Big Sam, former Newcastle manager yeah, as well. Yeah, it does. Perfect. Uh, hates Newcastle, and Newcastle hit him. Um, so thank you for listening. Leave us a review, a comment, an email, a follow on Twitter, um, whatever you would like. Um, we at the Peak to Early Podcast certainly hope that your employment uh, search and, uh, you know, all-around uh, situation is better than that of Ole. Uh, it's a horrible time to be unemployed, um, even if you're a multi-millionaire, yeah. uh, you know, uh, legend, of, legend yeah. of a mediocre club in England. Um, thank you very much for listening, and take care. Bye. I'm standing. <laughs>